0: It's the John McMullen Show on the iHub Network. Thank you for hanging out with us. And this is hour number two on a Monday, the eighth day of February 2021. As I mentioned, if you were with us in the previous hour, we were going to visit again with our 56th District Assembly member, Eduardo Garcia from Sacramento. We just had so many things to discuss last week when he was here that we didn't get a chance to finish up everything, so I'm very happy to have you back. Good afternoon, Eduardo.
1: Good afternoon, John, thank you for bringing me back.
0: One of the things we really wanted to talk about last week was the opportunities with lithium out at the Salton Sea. And since we last had a conversation about this, Uh, you issued a release a couple of weeks ago about a $14.89 million grant for uh, Calipatria uh, lithium plant. And so I wanted to have you on to talk with us about that and what that would mean for uh, economic issues here in the Coachella Valley and and for us being yet in one more way something tied to a, a green economy.
1: Well, absolutely. I uh, did an interview end of last year talking about the Salton and Sea, and I mentioned that 2021 was going to be a different year uh, for activities out there. And as you just mentioned, they released it, that Go Out, where uh, BHE Renewables, Berkshire Hathaway Energy Renewables, uh, received a close to $15 million grant for purposes of getting to a place where by the end of uh, 2022, an actual development plant of lithium could be built out in the Salton Sea. And that really ties into uh, announcements that were made uh, about the middle of January where a $206 million project got off the ground, uh, spearheaded by the Natural Resources Agency of the state of California, uh, funded by Prop 68, which we authored in 2018. And uh, really moving forward, thanks to public policy that was adopted by the state of California to allow for design-build mechanisms to allow for construction projects to begin out there so a lot of things happening out there as it ties back to the lithium what a great opportunity to develop an economy where you have a supply chain from extraction in a safe and responsible environmentally manner to the actual manufacturing of lithium batteries storage and for that matter uh, potential vehicle uh, manufacturing where we now see some of our larger uh, vehicle uh, companies saying we too are going to move into the clean sector technologies for purposes of the environment and for purposes of the economics uh, that it's uh, really uh, coming to make sense for them now.
0: I hear a lot of people talk about California not being a place where manufacturing really can happen. and this would seem to fly in the face of that, no?
1: Absolutely, in fact, there are many things that are being manufactured in California as it relates to the clean, green economy. Uh, Public transportation buses, for example, are being made in Southern California. Many of them uh, are on our streets in the Coachella Valley. Sunline Transit Agency is a perfect example. Many of those buses are made in California. Uh, The fact is, is that we have a unique opportunity to turn around economic circumstances In the Imperial County area, Eastern Riverside County area, we have an opportunity to clean up the Salton Sea, an opportunity to really develop ourselves as a clean, green economy, and really meet all of the objectives that our California governor and the state has set forward by 2035, which is to ensure that we have zero-emission vehicles um, all over the state of California. Now, mindful, in this last budget uh, that was presented by Governor Newsom, $1.5 billion of infrastructure investment for uh, in electric vehicles is what he's proposing. What we as a legislature want to see is that that energy be procured here in California and that that infrastructure and those jobs be training and developing people from California. So there's a great opportunity to really build on those proposals and it all points back to the Salton Sea and making sure that we can improve that environmental situation that we've been faced with for many, many decades. Don't
0: you think that the exporting of a gentleman from up in your neck of the woods there uh, by the name of Elon Musk to Texas was a real loss for California, though, and the fact that what you're going to be trying to do out at the Salton Sea could have been a real benefit to he and his company.
1: I don't see that as a complete loss quite yet. Although he did relocate, um, his goals and objectives continue to be very ambitious. And uh, the fact of the matter is is that 2% of the lithium produced in the United States, um, just a small fraction, is in Nevada. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that here in California and what we're calling Lithium Valley, uh, the Salton Sea region, has an abundance of uh, lithium that will be able to supply not just his needs, but the needs of many other uh, companies that are building vehicles, that are manufacturing other goods that we utilize on a single uh, – every single day, as well as our energy storage needs. So it goes beyond – Um, an individual who owns a vehicle company. It's uh, far bigger than him, you, or I. It's really about a global demand that exists, and quite frankly, we may be at the cusp of being able to uh, address those needs if we can do that in an environmentally sensitive manner and that it has multiple benefits for the people who live in and around the Salton Sea, which is my objective and why we put forward this Lithium Valley Commission ensure that it has those benefits for the people that live in our communities.
0: Eduardo Garcia is our guest here on the John McMullen Show. Eduardo, what about the impact that is going to be had on abilities to restore the Salton Sea? Can both happen? If we're extracting lithium, can we restore the sea too? Can it become what it once was again, or, or is this an alternative direction that we're going?
1: I think there are uh, opportunities to establish two pathways to both restoring the Salton Sea and it may not be to what it was, was, but I believe that there is an opportunity to have both a recreational, a habitat component. I mentioned in my earlier comments a $206 million investment to the habitat restoration project has gotten off the ground. On the southeastern part of the Salton Sea, there is absolutely no interference uh, occurring to any conversations occurring with the lithium discussion. The lithium discussion, the $15 million uh, investment that's going into uh, the research and development, really puts us at a point where we will be able to demonstrate that the lithium extraction can be done through the development of geothermal power and energy that uh, is necessary not just for lithium purposes but also to meet california's baseload energy needs now mindful uh this isn't a conversation that's happening every single day but we still are at risk of having the lights turn off because of the lack of reliability into our grid system and geothermal energy allows us to fill in those energy needs and the byproduct of that is the lithium, a new technology that has been discovered and that will hopefully prove to be what can supply the needs of lithium batteries and storage for not just Californians, our nation, but the entire world. That right there producing a tremendous amount of economic output that should stay in our community to go back into salt and sea restoration efforts and at the same time, bring about those co-benefits that I so much speak of, creating jobs, housing opportunities, investment into our educational systems, and the list goes on. Now, this is going to take some time, but certainly the vision is there. The investments are being made. California Commission on Energy has made some significant investments, and now the federal government, Department of Energy is. So we're excited about the things that can happen. Uh, The North Lake Plan that Riverside County has put together is being engineered to be able to establish some recreational habitat and economic development opportunities for the Salton Sea as well. 2021, as I mentioned uh, at the end of last year, it's going to be a different year for the Salton Sea conversation.
0: Over the last three years, the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership has put a vision forward for the Salton Sea area and the eastern Coachella Valley from an economic development standpoint that they would see by 2050, including realigning of what they're doing at the Jacqueline Cochran Airport out in the East Valley, and the fact that that could be a regional transportation hub for for business. There seems like there's just so much opportunity there. What about the California State University System opening a full campus here in the Coachella Valley for getting businesses to want to be out here that are these green energy businesses and develop uh, you know their operations here in our area aren't we gonna require STEM education and to fulfill that that kind of need for jobs?
1: Absolutely the universities play a critical role not just in the research and development phase but also In all of the insulary type of jobs that complement the role that this type of industry brings to our region. What can we do though to get
0: the governor and whoever else in Sacramento to say okay Palm Desert you get the next CSU full campus?
1: It's currently under review by the Board of Directors of the Cal State system. In fact there was some uh... assessments being done of four or five different campuses and Cal State San Bernardino Palm Desert campus ranks very high in fact there will need to be some budget allocation and some lobbying needed to be done and I can proudly tell you that myself and my colleague uh... Chad Mays uh, are working on that and there are a lot of locals who are putting their best foot forward and the money where their mouth is to make sure that there is a full court press of advocacy uh... here in the california state legislature for that
0: we also need so bad here to increase the bandwidth in the valley we just have such substandard bandwidth and the only real bandwidth here is out on cook street at the university campuses and that they've got the state scenic line there which is great that gives us you know 10 gigabit service but everywhere else, people are, it feels like, still in the 20th century with where we're at on the bandwidth front. Do you support the idea of having a valley-wide referendum where voters could choose to support putting in the infrastructure that the government would do that with, say, a bond type of issue? We've already found from Riverside County that it's just too expensive for a company any of the private providers to do this on their own so it seems like it would be in our best interest to have a bond measure or some such thing for voters to approve but not have it be a patchwork of different municipalities maybe cveg takes it on as a major thing for the entire valley so that we can get that done and then bring private enterprise in to operate it
1: john the answer is yes in fact uh, myself and two other colleagues From the Los Angeles area are authoring a bond measure that is about uh, investing into the broadband infrastructure uh, divide issues that we have seen Hallelujah, (laughs) more uh, prevailing than ever today. And we're also uh, authoring a series of other pieces of legislation. I was the author in 2017 of the Internet for All Bill, which uh, oversees the California Advanced Services Fund at the Public Utilities Commission. That measure intends on making sure that 98% of Californians are connected. Uh, clearly, uh, a lot of work to be done there, but it is a pot of money that goes out and helps subsidize uh, the development where private sector isn't doing it. That money is made available to fill in those gaps. And we are reforming the program. We are upping the fee uh, that is already collected uh, through the phone uses that we uh, already uh, adhere to, and. Uh, with the bond and complementing other policy reforms will allow public agencies, cities and uh, counties and schools to uh, utilize these uh, particular funds to expand uh, their reach when it comes to providing the service we 've seen uh, our children our our businesses our health institutes really struggle during this pandemic uh, to be able to connect with folks and we 're seeing it today more than ever as it relates to people trying to uh, set an appointment for a vaccination. Now, you mentioned the Cal State, and we talk a lot about the green economy. But look, uh, Cal State systems also serve a tremendous uh, benefit, at least in our region, to training, you know, our nurses and other medical practitioners that we so desperately need in our region. The medical infrastructure to be able to treat our sick and those with underlying conditions that have been more prone to getting COVID-19. So there is a lot of work to be done in that area, and I can tell you that the broadband infrastructure is at the top uh, of our list when it comes to priorities as a legislature, and certainly something that I'm committed to working on with our local stakeholders.
0: That is such good news, and I'm really glad to hear that and proud of the fact that, that our own representative from here uh, in the legislature is— fighting for this because we need it so badly. And I mean, I just bought a brand new iPhone and it's got the 5G capability and all that. And I go to certain pockets of the Coachella Valley and I can get the 5G service in these tiny little pockets. And I'm like, why doesn't the government hold accountable the people who they give licenses to to have towers, whether it's Verizon or AT&T or whatever, and tell them, you're going to keep these things up to date with current technology or you're not going to get the ability to serve our communities. It just it boggles my mind. So
1: one of, the, one of the things we could do there as well locally is to make sure that we have uh, uniformity when it comes to our policies and standards so that when these investments do come and want to build this infrastructure, uh, we can do it efficiently and effectively to make sure we can deliver on the communication uh, that we're expecting to have when we have these 5G uh, technologies at hand.
0: We're talking this afternoon with Assembly member Eduardo Garcia from District 56, California State Assembly. We're talking now about the strategic action that he has urged the governor to take with regards to vaccinating farm workers. These people are responsible for keeping food on our tables. They are necessary to our community, to our local economy, to the world actually, because we do help feed people in a lot of places and they should have been right up there with frontline workers as people that we would want to have vaccinated right away. That hasn't been the case, has it, Eduardo?
1: That hasn't been the case and that's why we introduced Assembly Bill 93 that would put forward all of the uh, essential workers that are handling food from our farms to our our. Uh, grocery stores, our restaurants, and everything in between, and I got to tell you that even with the shortage of vaccines that have come to California, uh, and I want to encourage our federal representative, Congressman Reese, and all of his partners to really do a better job in pushing, you know, this new administration in bringing vaccines to California and getting them in the hands of our public health experts and the community organizations, like in Riverside County. Uh, where you have these partnerships again, even with the shortages of vaccines, you're seeing uh, community organizations like TODEC, the Desert Healthcare District, Promotoras de Salud uh, making sure that our farm workers and other essential food handling workers are being vaccinated. They're making room for them regardless of the shortage of vaccines. And so, uh, I know that our Assembly Bill will move along the process and make sure that in future pandemics, they are front and center of our priorities. Our policies since this pandemic have been focused around making sure that they become a priority. And this last week, we sent another urgent outcry to the governor to make sure that as we get more vaccines from the federal government, that they go to these essential workers in geographic locations like Coachella Valley, like Imperial County, and there are other locations up and down the state where farm workers and other food handling type of essential workers need to be prioritized.
0: Can you give us an idea of the percentage of farm workers who have been sidelined because of the coronavirus?
1: i tell you that in Imperial County, because of the minimal amount of vaccines that are coming to California from our federal government, Um, very few farm workers have met the criteria of the first phase. We are vaccinating people who are 65 years and up. So there aren't that many farm workers that meet that requirement uh, that are getting vaccinated. And so we're attempting to push the federal government um, every single day to expedite the amount of vaccines that are being produced and that are arriving to California for purposes of making sure that they get to the right people who are putting their lives at risk every single day uh, for us here in California. Yeah, and I,
0: Um, I, I don't mean any disrespect to people who are seniors in our community at all. Look, I'm just about there myself. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of people who are over the age of 65 have the luxury of not having to go out and be amongst the public a lot, Uh, I know I talk with my parents on a regular basis and they both are in their early 80s and they stay home. They have not gone anywhere for a year, basically. And when you really think about it, the fact that we have these people who make it possible for us to still eat, to get these essential services, just as we've needed with nurses and doctors at the hospitals, it, it seems to me that it was a huge mistake not to classify People by this kind of need over an age-based system. And is the governor at the will of the federal government for that? Does Do they trump him on that, so to speak? I hate to use that term, but...
1: We, we are at the will of the federal government and the vaccine manufacturing companies to receive more vaccines. Uh, the state of California and its public health experts then begin to lay out what the criteria ought to look like. What we're pushing for is to make sure that, look, uh, there's a difference between a 65-year-old that lives in Malibu uh, or that lives in uh, Thermal California. Uh, And it's really just uh, predicated around what the risk of uh, getting COVID-19 looks like in these two very distinct communities, where we are saying that if you live in a high-risk community and you are a essential worker, regardless of your age, you ought to be prioritized. Right. Why? Because that's how we will begin to curtail the spread of COVID 19. If we're receiving 1,500 vaccines in Imperial County per week and we're unable to vaccinate the majority of essential workers like farm workers, there are more than 1,500 people getting COVID 19 a week. Um, and therefore, the rate of vaccinating people is really not going to put a dent into the problem that we're seeing, which is why we're saying congressmen, congresswomen continue to put the pressure on the administration, on the vaccine manufacturers to get these to the states and to the public health experts. And more importantly, get them to the community organizations like the Desert Healthcare District, who's doing an amazing job working in partnership With Riverside County Public Health Department, even with its limited amount of vaccines, they're still able to get out there and vaccinate our farm workers and other essential workers handling food.
0: Have you talked with Dr. Ruiz uh, about these issues yourself?
1: Absolutely. And I saw that uh, he put out a post earlier today. Uh, You know, he's working, uh, letting people know what he's doing. Uh, We really need to see some action. Uh, We want to make sure that from the congressmen to the administration to the vaccine manufacturers that we're actually seeing higher productions in vaccines get to these high-risk populations. Everyone's working really hard. We're all trying to do a coordinated effort. Clearly, we have a lot of work to do still, and uh, it's work that will never end Uh, quite frankly, at the rate that we're going in today.
0: Well, I love that you're working as hard as you are on these issues that do have a significant impact right here at home on our community. And I thank you again for taking the time to hang out with us and actually go overtime today to make sure we got through a bunch of these things. I'll look forward to having you back real soon, and we'll continue these dialogues. But anytime you've got something that you feel is is important for us to give a shout out for, don't hesitate to call. Thank you again. That's Eduardo Garcia, 56th District Assemblyman, joining us today on the John McMullen Show here on the iHub Network.